0: Good evening everybody and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so glad that you were able to join us tonight online and uh, looking forward to what God is doing uh, among us and we're excited about the opportunity that we have to share the word of the Lord with you this evening and uh, looking forward to what God has in store for our church in days to come. I believe that God is doing some amazing things within uh, the midst of all that we're dealing with in society, and I believe that God (laughs) is showing favor to his people, and uh, we're excited about what uh, he's doing for us. We are um, getting ready to uh, go into the fall season and then back to school for a lot of kids And so we want to encourage you to be praying over all of our school-aged kids that are um, getting ready to return. Some of them are returning online, some are in person, some are um, doing both. Our kids, for the first couple weeks, are distance learning totally, uh, and then they go into a hybrid a couple days at school, a couple days at home. And so just be in prayer for all of our uh, elementary all the way through High school and college kids that uh, they're able to uh, get through this year with as little frustration as possible. Um, and I know that the Lord will bless each and every one of them and use them greatly for His kingdom. Tonight, I want to take a few minutes uh, and just, uh, I, I haven't talked on this subject in a few years, and I wanted to just reapproach it a little bit, and that is dealing with what we have classified as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 11. Uh, We have, as Christians, we've labeled this the Lord's Prayer, um, but really this is the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Uh, Jesus prayed a a different style prayer in uh, John 17, and so I encourage you to read read that if you really want to see how he prayed. But he taught us to pray this way. He was teaching his disciples, and obviously through the teaching of his disciples and those that were there with him uh, at this period of time we are now able to learn ourselves how god wants us to communicate and pray it's interesting to note that the the passage that we classify as the lord's prayer starts in verse number nine but oftentimes we fail to recognize that which comes before it and so i want to i want to just start reading I'm going to read from the New Living Translation and then I'll I'll go back to the Lord's Prayer uh, in what most of us have learned, which is the King James Version uh, of that. So um, I want to start at verse number five, though. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. In other words... That people see them. That's the only reward they're ever going to get. He's not going to answer in another way. Um, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him and then it goes into pray like this. Uh, I, I want you to notice, especially verse number eight. Your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. I think sometimes we <clears throat> mistakenly treat prayer as a, a, a begging time of asking God to do this and do this and do this. And we have our laundry list of things that we would like to see accomplished in our lives, uh, whether it be material blessing, whether it be a spiritual blessing. It's something that we think we need, something that we think we desire, something that maybe even we think we should deserve. And uh, what Jesus is saying is don't... That, that's how the hypocrites pray. Don't pray like that. Uh, he, he's giving us a brand new directive to pray. There's only... In fact, the way that he is teaching us to pray, there's really only uh two different things that we're supposed to ask for ourselves and and we'll share that in a minute but uh and and it's in a different light or a different perspective maybe than what we even think of from time to time so i want us to go into this what we call the lord's prayer our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us of our debts as we forgive those uh, or forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and so i just want to break this down a little bit tonight and maybe give either a refresher or maybe even a new revelation for somebody that's watching online about the depth of what jesus is really teaching us um we like to quote that and, and, I, and I, I enjoy quoting the Lord's Prayer. I, I enjoy as a church when we do it together, I do enjoy it. But Jesus is not telling us to pray these words. He's giving us an outline or he's giving us a structure in which we are to pray or to seek God and to communicate with the Lord and be effective in doing so. And so uh, just for a few minutes tonight, I, I just want to break this down. And let us know that um, there's a couple of things that we need to recognize. Uh, and some of this is in attitude more than in, practic- in, in practice. It's more of a mindset, really. Uh, the first thing is is uh, to um, be in awe and to acknowledge. Uh, it's to revere. And sometimes we become so um, familiar with the things of God and we and and that we forget how awesome and mighty and powerful that almighty God really is sometimes we forget that he spoke everything into existence and sometimes we forget that everything that he does is in grand scale it's not he it's 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 huge what he's able to do and that he lives really even outside of time he he recognizes time but he's eternal he's he does not have a beginning. He does not have an end. And um, so we need to continually, the Bible says hallowed or make holy. That word holy just means to be separate or different or elevated above something else. And, and I, I think sometimes um, when we go to prayer, sometimes we, we fail to realize who we really are praying to, that he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the first the last, the beginning and the end, that which was and is, and is to come. And then notice what he he the structure that he gives us is to make holy or to keep sanctified or to keep elevated or a reverent spirit about his name. And uh, his name according to Isaiah 9:6 the Bible says that the son that would be born is the everlasting father. And that son that was born is Jesus in the New Testament. And so we need to keep the name of Jesus holy and awe and in reverence, and uh, now there's been others throughout history that have had the name Jesus, or Jesus, or, or, or Jose, all of those are derivatives of the same name, but when we say keep the name Jesus, it's not the five letters that make up J-E-S-U-S, the, the biblical principle of the name is everything that encompasses that individual that we're talking about, And so when it says to make his name hallowed or hallowed be thy name, uh, what we're really saying is everything that he's about, his mercy, his grace, his everlasting love, his kindness, his patience with us, all of those things we need to keep in a reverent mindset and understand the depths to which he went to attract us to him. And uh, to love us so much, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly and uh, that 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 says something when we're able to it's the reason one of the reasons it's one of the reasons why the scripture says don't take the name of the lord in vain because when that talks about taking it in vain that's not just using it necessarily as a cuss word although that applies what it really means is you are devaluing the individual that you are you're you're using it vainly you're using it in vanity you're using it in no depth of meaning and so the the bible says you know uh, not to take the name of the lord in vain because we are to keep it holy and in reverence and and in being awe of it even you see when when you're what makes me step or walk in awe of who jesus is is when i realize what that name represents that name represents the pure blood of sacrifice that redeemed my spirit and my soul and my body. That name reveals to me God manifest in the flesh, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. That that name, Jesus, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name that's higher than his name. And that at his name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He's the Lord. That's how awesome the name of Jesus is. But we have to recognize, obviously, it's not the five letters, J-E-S-U-S, that makes it so powerful. It's what's, what does that represent or who does that represent? And when we're dealing with that, that J-E-S-U-S in reference to the Son of God that came to this world and died for us, obviously, it encompasses more power than any of the other ways that you can use that name. And so the, the Lord in teaching us how to pray is trying to tell us, make sure that you keep my name in reverence and holy and, and above reproach and allow uh, the things of, of who I am to resonate within your spirit and, and, and draw closer to him. The more that we know him, the more that we will understand the power that's in his name. Um, and so so that very first verse, verse number nine, really even is a lot deeper than just our Father which is in heaven, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That that just that phrase is a lot deeper, a lot more powerful than just quoting it. It's a mindset, it's a heart set. It, it's it's a way of looking at things in such a way as to uh identify and acknowledge who we're really talking to and communing with we really have no business dealing with jesus he is so powerful and so awesome but because of his grace and mercy the bible says in hebrews that we can boldly go to the throne of grace today because of what he's done so remember that in days to come and in your communication with him and communing with him that he is who he is he is the great i am he is the first and the last the beginning and the end Uh, There's nobody like him in all the world. Then he goes on to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And and I find a couple of things in that statement that I want to draw out uh, from the wells of his word. Thy kingdom, the kingdom of God, and we dealt with this, I can't remember if it was a Sunday or Wednesday recently, but the kingdom of God is not talking about specifically heaven itself, if you will. It's not talking about the new Jerusalem on its own. It applies, that principle applies to it. But what, what he's talking about here is, let there be a revelation or thy kingdom come. That word come means to uh, appear or to be revealed, uh, not just that it shows up, but that we recognize it, that that we are cognizant of the kingdom of God. That kingdom is that which is built around his principles his policies his mindset his way of doing things which are not the way that the kingdom of this world does and uh, it's going to be that way one day when the literal kingdom of God comes to earth new Jerusalem in heaven but right now the principles of that kingdom uh, we want to pray that, and when we pray that, let it be, let it appear, let it be revealed. And what we're really praying is, God, let that which is in heaven be revealed in earth. Okay, what are some of those things that we talk about that's going to be revealed in heaven? Who He is, we're going to see Him for who He is. The Bible says, right now we see through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see Him face to face. And there's going to come a time where we reckon. Let me see you now, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Let it. Be, let me have a revelation of who you are. Let me have a revelation of that kingdom and in the pure radiance of your beauty. And and what are some other things? Uh, there, there's no more pain or suffering or heartache, or or any of that stuff that's going to be. In. Lord, we're in the middle of a kingdom that has pain, that has suffering, that has heartache and headache and And all kinds of things. Just give us a taste in the spiritual sense of what that kingdom is. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom be recognized or revealed, appear before us. Um, I I know in, in some cases that was the prayers of the Israelites for years. They were looking for their Messiah. Now they were looking for a kingdom that would come, that is yet to come but that would come and rule and reign over the world and over the earth. And that's what they were expecting. Well, Jesus didn't rule and reign that way. He wanted to rule and reign in the heart before they, that he would uh, rule and reign in the earth. And, and that's the kingdom that we need to recognize. God, let your kingdom be alive in my spirit. Uh, one other aspect of that is to recognize that you and I, by becoming a follower of Christ... We have put in a change of address, if you will, from one kingdom to another. I do not operate simply and solely by the constructs of this worldly kingdom. Um, Yes, we have to be obedient to the laws and we have to do all those things. But when push comes to shove, it's going to be the word of God. It's going to be the kingdom of God that is going to be the forefront of my spirit and my mind. Because I am of that kingdom, my citizenship is from the kingdom of heaven and not from the kingdoms of this world. And so when Jesus says, pray this, thy kingdom come, what he's really saying is, let the kingdom of God be revealed in us. Let us see it, let us experience it, uh, which is partly signs, miracles, wonders, all of those things that happen. Can you imagine the first day in glory when we're walking down the streets of gold and we're looking at everything that Jesus has been preparing? You know, we just built our building about a year ago, a year and a half ago. We we dedicated it, but it took about seven months of actual building to get our building taken care of. Well, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and he's been preparing it now for a couple thousand years. Can you imagine what that place is going to look like And what we're going to experience and what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples is we can have a little bit of that here as long as we pray it. Thy kingdom come. Let me see a little bit of what, let me get a glimpse of heaven while we're here on earth. We sing a song in church that I really like and that is your presence is heaven to me. We can get into his presence anywhere at any time because we're followers of him if we'll pray Thy kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom be revealed in me when I'm driving down the street, when I'm at work, when I'm walking in the neighborhood, when I'm sitting in my home. Lord, let me see your kingdom for who you are and what it entails and let me experience the blessings of the the freedom and the release of the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Again, that word come doesn't mean to come from one place and, and get to another place. It means to come into existence. It means to be revealed. It means to be uncovered. Lord, uncover your kingdom. Uncover your principles in this day and age. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Well, obviously, the will is whatever the Lord pleases. It's his desire. It's his agenda. It's his goals. And he's telling us or teaching us to pray Let his desires be done, not ours. The less we pray our desires and the more we pray his desires, the more effective we're going to be and the more blessings will begin to flow. Uh, And the way to do that really is to also connect the scripture in Psalms that says, Delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's doesn't, I've heard it taught and preached that that means. That God will give you whatever you want. Well, that's not what the Bible is really saying. And uh, unfortunately, uh, too many people have bought into that concept. What that's really saying is, is if you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires are going to be put into your heart by God. And you will begin to desire what he desires because he will have put them there. And Jesus is kind of saying that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done Let it be his will. Let it be what he wants. Let it be what his agenda is and put our agenda on the back burner and say, God, I don't really care what needs to be quote unquote done in my life. I want what you want to have happen. And then I find it interesting that the the word be done in the Greek isn't just something that gets accomplished. It it means to receive being. In other words, it, it puts... Skin and bone on the structure. Uh, it, it it it. So when His will is done, what's really happening is His pleasure, His desire, His agenda is being formulated, and and then it's accomplished. And sometimes I think we keep His will in the recesses of our mind, and we keep His will in the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but the the abstract instead of being in the in the practical. He wants it to arise in us. He's wanting it to put on or receive a being, if you will. And whether that, that will be accomplished through your work in the secular world or in the ministry world or in uh, a family world or a friendship world, God wants to use us and minister through us and speak through us. And the best way that I know of doing that is just acting upon what you're being prompted to do. And if you're delighting yourself in the Lord and all of a sudden you get a prompt to pray for somebody, pray for somebody. When you get a prompt to visit somebody, visit somebody. Or to call somebody, call somebody. Or to do something. Maybe it's even something weird and crazy. And and you're wondering what in the world the Lord is asking you to do. Um, you know, David twirled, took six steps every uh, six step. And then he twirled for a while and worshiped and embarrassed his wife, but he was doing what he felt God wanted him to do at that time. And, and and so even if it's something that doesn't make sense, and because here's what I have found is when I step out and do, even if I'm uncomfortable doing it, when I step out and do that, all of a sudden God shows up and it works and people are, 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 are ministered to. And, uh, for instance, the way that I preach and teach and even speak here on Wednesday, it's really not my personality. Uh, my personality is much more quiet. Uh, but when I get going in the things of God and the Word of God, there's a passion that's in me that just raises my spirit, raises my animosity. And you've seen me on a Sunday. Uh, and and I'm, I'm tame compared to some people. And uh, But when, when you do that, when you have that, what ends up really happening is his will is coming to pass. It was God's will for me to be a teacher preacher. And so whenever I act on that, whenever I participate in that, the, it gives being to it and it gives animosity to it and it gives uh, personality to it. And uh, when you do those kinds of things, for somebody it may be uh, the ministry of helps and, and, and you help people or you encourage people with your words or you write songs or poetry or, or whatever it is that God has you doing. Whenever you're doing that, if you're praying, thy will be done. What's really happening is he's putting structure to that abstract concept of his will. His will may be wanting to reach your neighbor, but he's wanting to reach your neighbor by formulating his plan in you so that your neighbor will see you uh, accomplishing what God has done and begin to ask questions and begin to see the Lord in a new light. So, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I want you to notice... uh, what, what the scripture is quoted in there, it says in earth as it is in heaven. Now it doesn't say on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I find that interesting um, because I believe that um, that can have primary and secondary meanings when it says, you know, uh, let, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's also in the world But also us, we're created from the dust of the earth. In me, let your kingdom come. In me, let your will be done. In me, in this earthen vessel, the Bible calls us, uh, describes us as earthen vessels. In this earthen vessel, God, let your kingdom come alive. Let me see it. Let me have a revelation of who you are in me. Let your will be accomplished in me. I want to pray like Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done in me as it already is done in heaven. In other words, God, let a little bit of what you have, let it begin to grow in me. Let it begin to take up root in my spirit. Let me begin to think like you think, see like you see, hear like you hear. Let me begin to have a passion like you have a passion let it happen in me like it's already happening in in heaven. And, and God, if you want to touch people's lives, put that in me to touch people's lives. And if you want me to pray harder, then put that in me to pray harder. If you want me to, to reach out and be a minister to somebody that's hurting, God, put it in me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in this earthen vessel, not just abstractly in the world today but narrow it down in our prayers and and do it in me change me move me form me shape me into what you want me to become because we're living in a day and age where uh we don't have the time to to sit back and relax and just let God you know just abstractly roam the world and hope that he touches enough people God's wanting and calling the church to be activated and mobilized because every season since the beginning of time when the world has experienced what we're experiencing now um, in whatever shape, form it was, it's, it's in the midst of that strenuous oppression, depression, whatever you want to call it, The stuff that we're dealing with, it's not the first time it's ever happened in the world. It may be magnified now, but it's happened over and over and over again, whether it be a pandemic, whether it be a political deal, whether it be a world war, whether it be all kinds of things throughout history. But every time that that's happened, the church has always begun to flourish. And out of all of the turmoil of the world, the church begins to grow afresh, and the church begins to minister like it's never been ministered to. Why? Why? Because the kingdom of this world is in a mess and a struggle and it's shaking right now. But in the midst of the shaking, the power of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God is beginning to flourish within the church members or in the body of Christ, the followers of Christ. As we begin to do what God wants us to do, we begin to make an effect. And uh, there's an old book, I I can't remember, I want to say his name was Andy Andrews that wrote it but i but i could be mistaken but talks about the butterfly effect or the ripple effect where you have something happen you know you throw a rock in the lake and you have all the ripples uh... of the the wake of the the splash kinda goes until it just kinda dissipates well when something happens here when something happens in the kingdom of god it causes a ripple effect that then goes all around the world and touches people. And so if we ever have a revival triggered off, and I believe that we're having one right now that's begun to to catch fire, it's going to go around the world. The ripple effect of somebody getting a hold of the kingdom of God and the will of God inside of them and beginning to, to operate and to think and to speak and to sing and to worship and to testify on the behalf of the kingdom, that is going to cause tidal waves of glory to ring this world. And uh, it's all, you can trace all of the different moves of God back to one or two different places and it just catches wildfire throughout the entire world. And so I wanna be a part of that in this last day. If the Lord is giving us, if the Lord is coming soon, if the Lord is returning for his people in the next few weeks, months, years, Whatever it may be, I want to be involved in one of the greatest revivals that history has ever known. I want to be the rock that causes the ripple. I want to, to our church. I want the people that watch us on online here and friends and, and believers all around there. Let's make a difference now. Let's become... The, the the matchstick that lights a, a fire like never before that will go around the world and touch every denomination, every church house, every school house, every community building, every political building. Let it just be touched by the fires of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Give us this day our daily bread. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something, and we're not very good at this one. Uh, what he's saying is, give us, pray that, you, that he would supply the present need for the day. There's another passage in the scripture that Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow, what you'll wear, what you're going to eat, what you're gonna, where you're going to go, because tomorrow will take care of itself. You just worry about today. We, be, we have become a very futuristic people. Um, and and what I mean by that is one thing that 2020 has kind of done to us is it's thrown our calendars out Um, but we're used to having plans we're used to having schedules we're used to having uh, preparing for our future am I saying that planning for retirement is wrong am I saying that putting money aside now for when the retirement age comes is wrong Um, that's not what I'm saying but in our spirit I can't be relying on what's going to happen. My spirit can't say today or tomorrow, my spirit can't say that I'll get to this next week. My spirit can't say I'll pray a little bit more next week than I did this week. My, my spirit has to say today, God, give me today what I need for today to be my most effective, my most powerful, and then we'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. There's too many of us that are praying for the will of God to be accomplished in our lives, but we have placed that will in a future deal. Lord, when I get this, when I get my degree, when I get my job, when I get my home, when I get my car, when I get my spouse, when I start my family, Lord, let, my, let your will be done. Let that be part of your will. And, and the Lord is trying to say, pray this, give me what I need today to get through today. And if I can give you what I can t- today, what you need to get through the day, everything else is going to fall into place. And the reason why I say that is because Matthew six thirty three, a little bit later here in this chapter, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You'll have what you need if you're connected to the kingdom first. And so uh, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today, God. Uh, The other thing that that does is I think sometimes we even, we don't realize we're doing it, but I think sometimes we're banking prayers for tomorrow. I I think we're praying, Lord, you see my week coming up. Just give me strength to get through the week. And we're saying that without even realizing because, God, I may forget to pray about that tomorrow. (laughs) I may forget to pray about that on Friday. So just let me cover it for the week. And, uh, and, and what Jesus is saying is, I want to commune with you every day. Give me my, this daily bread. Give me this daily bread. The only way that I can ask for daily bread is to have daily communion. The only way that I can ask for my needs to be met on a daily basis is if I have a daily conversation with the Lord. I understand we're praying for our future and we pray for our kids and we pray for our agendas and we pray for that which is going on in the future. And, and, and we're praying that God's hand would lead us and guide us into whatever he's leading us and guiding us into. But give us this day what we need. And if I concentrate on what we need for this day, I'm going to communicate with him for that day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, forgive our debtors. Um, this word forgive in this passage, I find to be fair, very interesting. It means to send away. It means to, um, expire or to allow to expire the debts that we owe. We ask God, let it just expire. Let it go out of date. Let it be sent away. Uh, but what is interesting in this, this passage and this word forgive here is it doesn't mean just to let go and send it away, but it means to send it away to be replaced with something different, okay? or to leave one place so as to go to another. So when we forgive, when we pray, forgive us our debts. Everything that we owe, which we owe everything to him. There's nothing that we can really claim on our own. And so, God, forgive us for our debts. Send them away and replace them with something else. Lord, let me be released from those debts and empower me to become more like you. Um, That's the concept of this word forgive. And then let us forgive those that are are in debt to us just like we are asking forgiveness from you. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Here's one thing that we don't oftentimes think about or dwell on. Do you realize that your amount of forgiveness is determined by the amount of forgiveness that you're willing to give? Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we're forgiving those that have debts in our stead, then God will forgive us of ours. God is a conditional God we say his love is his love is unconditional but he's a conditional God if you do this then I'll do that. if you seek my face you shall find me if you draw near to me I will draw near to you and the reason why it's a conditional thing is not because Jesus wants us to jump through hoops and because he's a legalistic God that wants us to cross every dot T and dot every I, The reason why he's a conditional God is because he doesn't want to force anybody to serve him. He created us with a free will. So if you're willing to forgive, he's going to forgive and uh, reciprocate your forgiveness. If you're willing to give something to somebody else, he's going to give it to you because he sees that you're willing to do it as he wants it done. And sometimes when we pray or when we think about forgiving those that have that that owe us, they have criticized us, they have abused us, they have hurt us, they have wounded us, Uh, we don't like to forgive that very quick, we don't like that to send that away, we don't like to give that up, we don't like to take that from its place and put it in another so that we can fill it with something else, but every time we do that, we are releasing the hand of God to forgive us of all of our shortcomings, because whether you want to agree or not, we all have them. Uh, we're, we all have shortcomings. We all have sins. We all have mistakes. We all have bad ideas. It's just who we are. We're human. Um, we're frail. The Bible says we have iniquity. We have weakness and feebleness. And, uh, but as we begin to forgive those that, have, that, that owe us or that have wounded us or that have hurt us, can I just tell you that forgiving that person... Doesn't do, does not nearly as much for them as it does for those that are forgiving. Um, when I forgive, I am releasing the thing that has the wound, the hurt, the abuse, that thing that has tied me in knots. When I forgive that person, they may not even realize I've done it. They may not even realize the forgiveness that I've given, but I have released it from me. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was releasing himself from all of the sins that were getting ready to die with him and be sacrificed on the tree of Calvary. And what that did was that released him then to receive the power and the keys to death, hell and the grave because the wages of our sin was death. He purchased that by letting go, by forgiving us of all of that we've done. And when we do that, when we forgive somebody, we are opening up ourselves as a vessel, if you will, for the Lord to then pour in his forgiveness and to send all of our shortcomings away. And, And so I encourage you tonight, even before you go to bed, if there is somebody that has hurt you, somebody that has wounded you, somebody that has spoken ill about you, somebody that has fought against you, I challenge you to take some time to meditate on it and forgive them and release that, send it away from your spirit. And I know that sounds like it's easy. I know it's difficult. I know forgiveness is not an easy thing. Calvary was not an easy thing for the Lord. Calvary was a difficult thing to go through, but he went through it because he knew it was worth it to rec- so that you and I could receive forgiveness from him. And so I encourage you to take that time and release it to God and ask God to help you and say, God, I'm doing my best to forgive this person of this thing. Would you forgive me for my shortcomings as I'm trying to do that? And then you will be fulfilling what Jesus is asking us to pray in, in forgive, us not, or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Praise God. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. That word temptation there, uh, I find this, this phrase appropriate for the day. Um, that temptation isn't tempting us necessarily to sin. That It applies. That principle applies. But that temptation is also dealing with adversity or affliction or trials or a proving period. Lord, lead us not into this proving period, this trial period but deliver us from evil. That word evil there means um, full of labors, annoyances, hardships, um, bad conditions, uh, not just deliver us from Satan. Okay? But Lord, as you're leading us, lead us not into, you know, we can pray that. Sometimes he's going to lead us right into the, the murk of it anyhow. But our prayer needs to be, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all of the bad stuff. We can pray that. Jesus is giving us license to pray. God, don't lead me uh, into that. Um, The flip side of that is sometimes when he does or when we get ourselves into a mess and we get ourselves into a trial time or an adverse time or an afflicted time, we have the ability to pray, but deliver us from this stuff, deliver us from our labors, deliver us from the things that are annoying for deliver us from the hardships and the bad conditions that we're dealing with right now. Uh, I, I like that, that opportunity that Jesus gives us. He has given us the means, the way and the means to make it through all of the stuff we're dealing with. Right now in the world, we're dealing with all of the pandemic stuff, all of the political stuff, all of the economic things that are going on, all of the uh, family kind of things and the, the repercussions of all of the, the big things that we're dealing with. We're dealing with the smaller things now that are the depra- despair and the depression that are being fed off of everything else that's going on. Jesus is saying, here is the way that you can deal with this. Begin to pray, deliver us from this. Uh, my prayer is God, deliver us from this pandemic deliver us from this political upheaval deliver us from this mass violence deliver us from all of the things that are going on around us deliver us from despair deliver us from depression bring us out of that and let your kingdom take its place let peace reign let love reign let mercy reign if we could all look at people through the eyes of mercy and grace how much better would our world be And through the way Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's saying we have the opportunity to pray that. Amen. Uh, And then last, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Take this time in your communication with God, in your prayer time, to make sure to remind yourself who's in control. This is something that we have to do. It's his kingdom, it's his power, it's his glory. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's not male or female. It's not young or old. It's not good looking or ugly. It is simply him that's in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. He, when we close out our time of prayer and communication, and again, the, the apostle um, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Live with an attitude of prayer 24-7. If you're living this attitude that God's got it in control, it's his kingdom that we're walking in. It's his, it's his glory. It's his power. Can you, do you just take a moment to recognize the power of God? He spoke everything into existence. Now, I've seen a lot of things made. I've seen a lot of woodworking done and metalworking done. And you look at the automobile and you look at all of the medical devices that man has created. But he didn't even have to do much. He just spoke it. That's how powerful he is. And the Bible says this, after you shall have, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be empowered by God. It's his power, not your power. It's his ability, not your ability to get you through this thing that we're going through right now. It is, he is totally in control. It's not surprising him about any of this. He knows what's going on. He knows where you're at as an individual. He knows where we're at as churches and as groups of people. And it's his authority and his power, and he will receive the glory. He is receiving the glory. I've seen pictures uh, on on social media of people receiving baptism in the middle of the riots here in Minneapolis, in Kenosha, uh, out in, in California, one of the neatest, things that we saw was all of the worship people that were all lined up on the beach. God's getting the glory in the midst. We we may not be being reported. We may not be seeing it all over the place, but in the midst of all that's happening, it's still his kingdom, it's still his power, and he's still receiving the glory for it. God is getting the glory, whether we like it or not, because eventually everybody is going to bow. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is the Lord. Ultimately, he receives the glory for everything. So I want to encourage you the rest of this week. Find this time of prayer. And don't just pray patty cake prayers and, Lord, just bless me and love me. Those are good. We need those. But take this diagram or this construct of prayer that Jesus taught this wasn't taught just by disciples. This was taught by Jesus himself. And and uh, I remember growing up in Sunday school, they created all kinds of ways to teach us how to pray. We had a prayer wheel. Some of you might have remembered those. And it broke down the amount of time. And you, you started with praise and thanksgiving. And then you did this, 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 and this. And what were they really doing? And then we they were following this pattern in Matthew 6. Then I remember a little bit later in my Sunday school years, I remember the uh, they called it the, the cheeseburger of prayer. I don't know why we got that. Um, maybe because we all like cheeseburgers or something. But, you know, the buns, praise at the beginning, praise at the end, and then all the stuff in between. Um, however you want to look at it, just begin to take the construct of Matthew and pray the way Jesus taught you to pray. Because when you do that, you are going to become much more effective in your prayers, James five sixteen says this: the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and that fervency isn't slamming your f- fists on the ground and, and getting all excited. It it can mean that, but that's not in this passage of scripture. It means aligning your will to His will, and when our will gets aligned to His will, we begin to pray, and it begins to be His will being prayed. And his will is always going to be accomplished and it's always going to be effective and it's always going to avail. And so I want to encourage you to find a place uh, of communication with him. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Always end with an amen. That means so be it. Let it be done. Let it be accomplished. Praise God. We love you all so much. Thanks for joining us tonight. Look forward to uh, next Wednesday night. Uh, We want to invite you to enjoy our services from Sundays. Uh, You can find that at spiritofgracechurch.org. And if you click on our podcast, you can either watch or listen. Wednesday nights go up here in a little while on our podcast and our YouTube channel as well. And uh, we want to just thank you for uh, coming online with us for this little while and giving this time towards the Lord. We love you all, appreciate you, God bless, and we'll see you next week.